Merry Christmas, everybody. Nice to see you. Thanks for being here tonight. So it's Christmas, and we just thought, let's talk about favorites for Christmas. Everyone's got favorite stuff at Christmas, right? So we got favorite songs, and apparently it's not the first Noel, even though they were shameless in their promotion. And we got favorite songs, we got favorite Christmas, you know, Christmas foods, favorite Christmas cookie shapes, and you know, all that kind of favorite stuff. And so I'm getting ready for the series here this weekend, talking about you know, the message of Christ. And I thought, well, let's just let people tell their favorite part of the Christmas story, or let me tell your favorite part of the Christmas story, but we've got to figure out what that is first. Right, so I'm going to give you some selections, and we're going to do a little bit of interactive stuff like we've been doing so far, and I want to hear from you what your favorite part of the Christmas story is, and then I'll tell it, and then I'll tell you how you fit into it, and you will like it. (laughs) All right, so four selections you might choose from for your favorite Christmas or part of the Christmas story. The first one that you could choose from would be, guess what, Joseph, your girlfriend's pregnant. Or, yeah, and you did, what? Yeah, and then, or you might like to choose a young pregnant teenage couple elopes to Bethlehem. Maybe not, I don't know. Uh, or you might want to do the, the classic shepherds in the field watching their flocks at night. Comes with the heavenly all-star choir or the heavenly all-star band and the celestial sing-along choir. You would have liked it better if I wouldn't have muffed up the line. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe you would like to hear the story of the Magi. Now, the story of the Magi is a story of international intrigue and political conflict. All right, so those are your four choices. You get to choose. Show them the poll. It's beginning to look a go ahead, lot like Christmas. Go ahead. There you go. Everywhere you go. Uh huh. Take a look in the five and ten. Listening once again with candy canes and silver lanes. Got a horse race going on. Oh, Joey. To look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Are you sure? Anybody else who hasn't voted yet? Now's your chance. Five more seconds. And mom and dad can hardly Three, wait for school to start two, again. Three, two, one. Guess what, Joseph? We're going to tell the story of the manger. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to cheat you out of this, but you, you, okay, so you want Joe, you get Joe. Wasn't really ready for that, but. All right, so yeah, I'm going to tell you the story of Joseph, okay? That's what you asked for, so I promise we're going to give you that one. But I'm kind of curious, so I'm getting ready to tell you this story, and it, you're going to like this story. It's a little bit gut-wrenching, but, you know, I'm kind of curious as to why you chose that as opposed to some of the other stories, you know? Because that story with Joseph and Mary going up to Bethlehem, and they get there, and there's no room for them, and any, any of the guest houses there, and one of them's like, I told you to make reservations, honey, what are you thinking? It's like, I thought God would take care of it. Would have been an interesting story. But you chose a different one. Could have told the story of the shepherds. And that's a good story. They're out there and there's angels that show up and there's fear and there's ter- it's a terror story. It's like it's a horror story. Right? I mean, you'll, you, but no. 
There's, and we were gonna, and we were gonna do a sing-along part to that part. I know, and you, it, you would have laughed your heads off. It's all right. Let's see, or I can tell the story of the wise men, the magi. They come in. These are uh, foreign advisor, advisors to a foreign king. They come into Israel. They come to King Herod, who was not born king of the Jews. He wasn't even Jewish, but he's the king of the Jews. How does that work? And they come to Herod, and they say, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Which is a fast track to the gallows, right? And uh, the Jews call that chutzpah. Excuse me, chutzpah. Want me to come down there and say it? Don't make me come down there. And Yeah, so, okay, but you didn't want that one either. So we're going to tell the story of Joseph. And it's found in Matthew chapter 1. So what I'd like to do is read the story for you and then come back and just kind of tell the story and figure out where, kind of where it relates to us and where it lands on us. All right, so Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, tells the story like this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son And he gave him the name Jesus. Now that's a good story. That's a good story like like the other ones, right? So let's just walk that through. I want to know why you like that story so much. There's all kinds of reasons. When you come to a story, there's all kinds of reasons why you might enjoy a certain story over other ones. And one of the things that makes a story great is great characters, And, you know, every story you've heard that you really love, there's great characters in the story. And that's true in this one as well. And so maybe you like this story because of the characters that are in it. So the main character in this particular story is a man named Joseph. You could probably call him Joe. He's just a normal guy. In fact, you might call him, maybe his buddies called him Joe Sixpack. I mean, I mean, very respectfully speaking, would that be all right? It's, you know, because he was just a normal guy. He was a day laborer. And so maybe, you know, maybe they called him that. I don't know. How, who are we to say? You know, you think he went around carrying his lunchbox and his work tools going, my name's Joseph. You know, maybe they called him Joe Sixpack or maybe they called him Joey. I, I don't know, but they could have. You know, it's not, mes- it's not necessarily about he's, you know, enjoys the six-pack too much. It may be that he had one. I know I'm not giving you a very good image of it, but, you know, but maybe he had one. So you have, this, you have this idea in your mind that Joe was a carpenter, right? We have this tradition among Christians. With, yeah, Joseph was a carpenter. And that's a tradition that came from the King James translation of the Bible where they took this word that meant builder. And they said, oh, well, builder, then he's a carpenter. So we have this idea that he's a carpenter. But Joe lived in Nazareth, a little village way up north from Jerusalem. And it's a very tiny village. Maybe 100 people lived there when he was, when he was there. And there are very few trees nearby Nazareth, now or then. 
In fact, there was a big city that the Romans had come in and built right next door to Nazareth. It was about two or three miles away. And so Joe would probably get up every, every morning as a day laborer, pack his lunch, pack his tools, and walk over to Sepphoris, this other big city. And uh, so he had like an hour commute both ways to work, walking. And he gets his stuff over there. He goes into the marketplace and he stands in the marketplace waiting for someone to hire him every day. Now, Sepphoris, if you, if you were to go to the city of Sepphoris today, you could find it. There are ruins there. Or you can go online and look this up. You'll find the city of Sepphoris was made almost entirely of stone. The houses were stone. The theater was stone. The racetrack was stone. Uh, almost everything there was made out of stone. And that's the, those are the projects that Joseph probably worked on. So when it says he was a builder, he was this kind of guy who would cut rock in the quarry and he would carry it over to the city and they'd put it in place. He probably had a (laughs) six-pack. See, so maybe they did call him Joe Six-Pack. He's just a normal, everyday working man. And he probably worked really hard. He wanted to create a living for himself and for his fiancée, Mary. And when they had children, he wanted to have enough money saved up. So he worked hard and he saved whatever he had or whatever he could save. And he stored a little bit of it away. And he was just a good, upstanding, nice young man. Very normal in that generation, in that culture. And so maybe you like this story because you kind of like Joe. He's just maybe kind of like you or someone you know. Or another character in the story is Mary. Um, Mary's kind of the key figure. Besides Jesus, she's kind of the key figure in the story of Christmas, right? But Mary doesn't get a speaking part in this part of it. The angel talks about her. Joseph considers her, but she doesn't get any lines. So you might not have chosen the story for her. Or maybe you chose the story because you like the character of the angel. There's this angel that shows up in the story. Angel simply is a, it's the Greek word for messenger. So here's, it's kind of like a cosmic mailman. He's like, I come from God and I've got a message for you, Joe. And we know he's an angel because he says to um, Joe when he first shows up, he says the same thing that angels always say when they start a conversation. You know what that is? Come on, let's do some interactive church. You know what the angels say when they, first thing the angel says all the time? Fear not. not. Don't be afraid. Why do they say that? So you'll be afraid. afraid. No, because you are afraid. Why now? That's just the weirdest thing because we have this idea in our culture that angels are these little cherubic figures, you know, like cute little chubby baby types with little tiny wings or beautiful like female angels or something. We get this idea that that's what angels are like, but that's not very scary. But when angels showed up in the Bible, they always started off by saying, fear not. Why? Because they were terrorizing. Some of you like the story simply because there's horror in it. Right? The angel comes and goes, don't be afraid. He goes, it's too late. I'm already afraid. And you're like, oh, I like that kind of story. Here's this angel. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And Joe says, too late. Maybe you like the story because of the character of the angel that shows up in it. Or maybe you like the story because of the plot. I mean, you can have, a great, you have some great characters, but if you don't have a good plot with some good conflict in it, you don't really have a story. You have a travelogue. Story is much more exciting. So maybe you like the story because there's some conflict that comes in the middle of the story. See, as the story goes, this man, Joe, finds out that his fiancée is pregnant 
And then you go through the story trying to find out how he's explaining the pregnancy to others. So imagine that he's sort of walking this through and he's walking it through with you and trying to test out some theories about what's going on. So he, he lays this one on you. He goes, you know what? I had a dream. Yeah, your girlfriend's pregnant and you had a dream. Mm-hmm. Who's going to believe that part of it? He goes, no, 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 really, I had a dream. And in my dream, there was an angel. It's terrifying. Okay, so you saw an angel in your dream. And some of you are like, yeah, an angel? How many of you have seen an angel? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. I'm, like, I'm telling you, you'd be sure because you'd start off by saying, fear not. <laughs> so like, I, I, I had a dream, and in the dream I saw an angel. And you're thinking, yeah, you, you enjoyed that six-pack too much, I'm thinking. He says, yeah, and in the dream the angel said, guess what, Joseph, your fiancé's pregnant. He goes, I already know she's pregnant. He says, yeah, I know, I know, but here's how it happened. The Holy Spirit came on her. I'm like, no one's going to believe that story in a thousand years. Who's going to believe? Here's a, here's a young girl, a virgin, and she's never had sex with anybody, and, just, and the Holy Spirit comes up, and somehow she ends up pregnant. Who's going to believe that story? Nobody in a thousand years. Two thousand Except, wait a second, some of us in the room believe it. I believe it. Now Joseph has to decide some things. In fact, we have to decide some things. The plot gets interesting for us because we have to think about it and make a decision. First thing Joseph has to decide when he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant is who's he going to hurt? Because he knows it's not his baby, so something's going wrong here. It's like, who's he going to hurt? Got to make a decision. And then gets past that, and, and then the next question is, he has to decide, who am I going to believe? Am I going to believe this angel? I mean, that's not a decision you and I have to make very often, but he had to make that decision. Am I going to believe an angel in a dream? And once he decides to believe the angel, he's got the other problem on his hands. He's got this girl, Mary, and he's engaged to her, and he's thinking, oh, I, I, don't know if I, can, I, I don't know if I can handle this story. And so what, maybe if it is, you know, from the Holy Spirit, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, I don't really know, but can I handle that in my life? And so he starts thinking about, maybe I should just divorce her quietly. Not make a big spectacle, not make a scene, but just, you know, just get it over with quietly. And some of you will say, oh, I, I thought they were just engaged. Well, in that generation, marriages, marriages didn't happen because two people decided to date one another. And they go, oh, I like you. You like me. And they get down, one, you know, someone gets down on a knee and proposes. And they're like, let's get married. That's not how it happened. It happened more like this. Two dads got together and they said, I'll give you two sheep for your daughter for my son. The guy said, make it three and you're in. <laughs> so now it's a contract. It's a it's a almost sort of a commercial contract. And the only way to get out of it was through divorce. So now Joseph has to decide, am I going to divorce this woman over this? Or do I believe the angel? Can you imagine the head scratching that went on in Joe's mind in his life at that moment? Like, what do I do with this? I mean, I've never been all that close to God. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up, I live in Nazareth. I'm not close to the temple. I'm not close to, you know, all the stuff that goes on. I don't have any power. I don't have any money. I don't have any influence. I'm just a normal guy. 
And I'm sort of, I'm sort of often a long ways from God. I, I would never be confused for one of God's favorites. And all of a sudden, God's coming to me and he says, hey, the woman you're engaged to, she's going to have a baby. And they're going to call the baby the son of God. And you're going to raise him in your house. And you can imagine Joe saying, are you kidding me? Why would God choose me? I'm nothing special. I'm an outsider to all the stuff of God and all the stuff of the temple and all those things. Really? And see, that's where, maybe that's where you like the story. That's where I like the story because now it lands on me. Now it becomes pretty much like me because I find out that Joseph is very much like me. And Joseph, in fact, is very much like you. Because every single one of us at some point in our life was a long ways from God. And a lot of us in the room have come to the place where we said, oh, I believe this story. I believe in the dream. I believe in the angel. I believe what he told him. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in all that stuff. And you've, by faith in Christ, you've come close to God. But every one of us at one point was a long ways from God. And we would never look at ourselves and say, oh, I must be one of God's favorites. I mean, imagine the mess that Joseph's life was going to become. Imagine the talking that was going to go on about him and Mary. Imagine the pain they were going to go through. Imagine the awkwardness of it. You like awkward? Yeah, one. That was awkward. <laughs> Imagine the awkwardness of their life. They get up to Bethlehem and they're trying to explain things and there's no room for them there. And they're trying to tell their story and they're trying to say, please let us have room. This is the baby of God. Mm-hmm. Imagine what a mess his life was going to be. And then you look at your own life sometimes and you go, and I'm not trying to say anything about you, but you know, I know what goes on in our heart. How much of us, we look at our lives and we go, man, what a mess I've got comes out at the holidays, doesn't it? That's when it shows up often. It's like, oh, what a mess I've got. And how am I ever going to draw close to God <clears throat> in the midst of this? And maybe that's where Joseph was. And at some point he had to come to a decision where he said, God, I will trust you. I don't know what this is about. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm never going to be able to explain it but I trust you. Amazing thing about the story of Christmas is at the end, everybody bows to the baby. Everybody. Joe ends up bowing to this child in his life. It's his stepchild. It's the, it's, you know, the, the son of God, but he ends up bowing to the baby. Mary, this one favored by God, this one selected by God, she bows to the baby. The shepherds who come in from the hillside that night, they come in, they see the baby, and they bow to the baby. The magi who come from a foreign country to check out this child, they come in, and they bring their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and they lay them down at the feet of the baby, and they bow to the baby. In the end, everybody bows to the baby. Why? Because he's the son of God. And he is the only one that can help those who are far from God become close to him.
And that's why we love the story. Because we believe that through that story, through faith in Jesus Christ, God brings us close to him and he looks us straight in the eyes and says, you are my favorite. We're talking about playing favorites this weekend. We're not talking about songs and we're not talking about parts of the story. We're talking about you. Because there's not a person in the room that God can't look straight in your eyes and say, you are my favorite. And I want you to be an insider with me. I want you to be with me. It's why the name, one of the names that they gave to Jesus was Emmanuel. What is that? God with us. So I just want to give you an invitation. Can't think of a better time in life than Christmas Eve to come and bow to the baby. And a lot of you already have. A lot of you already said, oh, Jesus, I'm in. I trust you. I love you. I appreciate what you've done. Thanks for making me an insider with you. But there's undoubtedly some here who would say, I've never taken that step yet. Never really believed the story or maybe never even considered the story very much. And now the story becomes inescapable and you have to make a decision somewhere of what you'll believe about Jesus. I just want to invite you in. God looks at you and says, you're my favorite. You go, yeah, but there's seven billion of us. I'm like, yeah, God's big enough for that. He can have seven billion favorites and love every one of us the same. Love every one of us enough to send his son to save us. That's the story of Christmas. That's a story that God comes to us and brings to us and he says, will you believe me? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that you love us so much to call us a favorite. That's amazing. God, some of us look at our lives and we go, wow, as far away as we were, God, you call us your favorite and you loved us enough to send your son for us. Lord, thank you. Lord, I, I pray for us. A lot of us in the room have already made the decision that Joseph did to believe the story to believe the Savior, Jesus. So thank you for them. There are some among us, Lord, I believe, that are saying, well, Jesus, I'd like to be in on that. I'd like to put my faith in you. I'd like you to bring me close to God, to bring me into God's family. I love that. Can I get in? If I trust you, can I get in? And Lord, for the ones who are praying a prayer like that to you tonight, I pray that you would be faithful to your promise and you would say yes to them. And you would show them that they are one of your favorites through Christ. Lord, thank you for these things. We love you. We worship you together. Amen.